Welcome to another episode of the Confessions of a Recovering Landlord podcast, where you'll learn the secrets commercial landlords would prefer you not know. I'm your host, Jan Gibbons, along with my co-host and experienced commercial real estate broker, Bob Gibbons. That's me. Brought to you by Riata Commercial Realty, where we exclusively represent users of office and warehouse properties. Landlords have representation. Do you? Welcome to today's podcast of the Confessions of a Recovering Lord. Lord or landlord? <laughs> well, there's you days me... you make me call you Lord. <laughs> I was going to say, are you calling me Lord now after 40 years? This is my lucky oh, day. This just gets better and better for you, doesn't it? <laughs> this is going to be my best, best podcast ever. <laughs> so in the confessions of a recovering landlord today we're going to talk about something i think is really interesting and really topical and really makes me mad and we'll get to that later the lord but the, the <laughs> stop today's topic is the importance of understanding your landlord's financial health now tell me why is it important because they're your landlord <laughs> And you want to make sure they stay your, well, I was going to say stay being your landlord, but uh, no, I mean, it's um, there's, there's several reasons why you want your landlord to be healthy. Uh, And I would say uh, the most important reason is because you want them to be able to maintain the building appropriately and to carry out their obligations in the lease. We've seen that. So true. We've seen it when that hasn't been the case and it's, Mm -hmm. it's ugly and the building gets worse and worse and, yeah, it's pretty bad. Well, and when we've talked to our clients that are going through this, we check in on them and they're like, it's the things I hear are, it's lonely. There's no one in here. They're not putting tenants in here. They're not maintaining the building. They're not keeping it clean. The homeless are bathing in the in the washrooms. I mean, it's amazing how quickly it can go downhill. Yeah, I mean it's it's it is surprising to me how I don't know what the right word is, but you know, whenever something kind of goes a little downhill, it's just it's like a magnet. It's a snowball, the snowball effect. Yeah, or the flywheel. I mean, there's a lot of analogies, but yeah, it's just all of a sudden things start coming in and the word spreads. And you know, it's it's a it just it's not pretty and um and it's you're right, it's lonely, it's dirty. It's blight, blight it's moving in, in is another word I would think of. In, interior and exterior. I mean, they don't maintain the landscaping. Yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of things, but anyway. Well, give us a few reasons why this happens to a landlord. Well, you know, there are several reasons. Uh, I mean, they were over leveraged and therefore they're, they're um, you know, if you have a building that has a high mortgage and vacancy is falling, then you have a lower um, amount of money coming in, the rents are less, and they may not have the money to maintain the building properly. And they may not uh, even have the money to maintain mortgage payments in some cases. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because a lot of a lot of buildings have converted over to the triple net lease uh, rent structure where you you pay a certain amount for your base rent and then you pay your share of the operating costs. And so you're thinking, well, wait a minute, if I'm the tenant and I'm paying my share of the operating costs, shouldn't the landlord be maintaining the building? Because I'm paying my my costs and my costs 
assumes a certain level of, um, you know, quality in the building. Uh, and that would seem to be the case, but let's just say in a simple scenario, you have a building that's a um, hundred thousand square feet and your expenses are a million dollars. So $10 a square foot, but it's only 50% occupant occupied. So the landlord's only collecting 500,000 of the million they need. And mm -hmm. if they don't have enough income to even pay their mortgage or to barely pay their mortgage, they certainly don't have enough money to make up the other 500,000. So yes, the tenants paying their share, but the landlord still can't afford to maintain the building properly. Mm -hmm. So that's or malfeasance. They take the operating expenses they got passed through and pocket them or pay them on another property. I mean, that there's so happen. many ways it can go south. That that could happen. I, I will say that is a rare thing. I don't see that happen a whole lot. I mean, I read about it in the, in the news, but I don't really actually see it. I don't know that I've ever seen that be the case that I'm aware of anyway, with any tenants that we've had in a, in any particular building. But um, so other factors, other reasons why this happens to landlords, um, certainly in the current environment is the whole work from home hybrid working mm -hmm. thing where companies are taking less space if they keep any space at all. And so that also puts downward pressure on the occupancy in the building and therefore the yeah. rent coming in. Um, and then, you know, higher interest rates. I mean, if their loan has expired or was a variable rate uh, mortgage, you know, their interest payments have doubled or their interest rate has doubled probably um, in the last couple of years and, or whenever, whenever, you know, whenever it renews or uh, gets adjusted, it has probably doubled and yet their income hasn't changed. So that has created a big problem. And then, you know, they have also declining building values. Uh, you know, occupancy falls, building value falls. If they haven't maintained it and the building now it has uh, deferred maintenance that a new buyer would have to, you know, clean up, well, then that's going to devalue the building as well. So you got this whole, as you mentioned, snowball effect going on on certain landlords that is creating a lot of pressure on them right now. Well, you talk about higher interest rates, but that's only if you can actually get the loan. A lot of these landlords can't even get money anymore. That is the true. The is dried up for them. That is true. And, you know, if you can, I was talking to a banker yesterday and he was talking about his investor um, lending department and how, you know, they didn't have a whole lot to do right now because people aren't coming to them for for loans and and the loans that are up for renewal are, you know, painful for these investors. And I said, well, fortunately, you know, we mainly focus on the companies that actually occupy the space. So owner occupants, users, and he says, Oh yeah, no, that's all day long. No problem. You know, it's like, that's the, the thing that landlords, I mean, not landlords, but lenders like the best uh, because that is not subject typically to, um, variability and occupancy like it would be for a landlord because uh, if the if the uh, owner occupant occupies the whole thing or the majority of the building they're like likely going to be maintaining it and you know they right. still need it to operate their business and so that's a good thing so this impacts so many things they can do in the building a like we said getting money for the building uh funding tenant improvements and commissions maintaining it 
so what happens when worst case scenario, they can no longer keep up with the money and they can't get any more money? Do they just flip the keys to the lender? They they put it on a hot sheet to sell it Tuesday at noon, <laughs> final and best <laughs> offer by the first, noon? The first Tuesday of the month, <laughs> at least in Texas. Um, yeah, I mean, they have some hard decisions to make. So one decision would be, all right, our loan is coming up for uh, expiration. Are we going to... Uh, pony up the additional um, equity capital required to um, to refinance because you know if their if their loan was at um, you know thirty million and it's now um, the landlord's only I mean the lender's only going to finance them at twenty three million well they got to come up with seven million in cash to um, add to the equity to get the loan plus they may need money for Im improvements. And, uh, and so, you know, lenders are looking at all this and saying, well, I'm not just lending you the money for the building, but I'm also, you know, looking at your pro forma, uh, your, your financial projections to see if you have money in there for uh, tenant improvements and commissions to know that you actually can lease up the building and maintain the building. So, you know, if they, if they can't do that, then the lender may not want to lend them um, even the amount of money that they would otherwise lend them. So, they have some hard decisions to make. Certainly the things we've talked about on maintaining the building and funding other th things are, um, and then the other option would be just to, you know, sell it. Or, and if that doesn't work, then to just hand the keys back to the land, to the lender. And, uh, and, you know, we're seeing all of those things occurring right now to varying degrees. And some people, some landlords will also put a bill building or the, the entity that owns the building into bankruptcy to try and, um, you know, delay foreclosure. Um, so that's another tactic that they'll take as well. What happened to, it used to be, oh, I'm going into this project. I'm going to get equity. I'm going to get debt. I'm going to get mes debt. I mean, there were so many different areas from which to get money. And now this entire conversation, you've only talked about one single lender. Are you saying that the building owners can no longer raise equity? There's not various levels of debt they can go for. All of that has dried up. Well, I mean, I you know that's a good question, and I I honestly am not the the best source for that because you know we don't really play in the capital markets. Uh, so that Lord thing isn't applicable. I'm <laughs> withdrawing just for a very narrow area. <laughs> um, I mean, those kinds of things are um, theoretically still available, but. If a lender isn't paying the primary mortgage, they're not paying any other mortgage uh, mortgages, uh, which, you know, the MES debt is just a second mortgage, third mortgage, right. whatever. Um, so, you know, if you can go convince lend, uh, um, investors that they should pony up additional money to refinance and to fund all those other things and, and that they'll come out better than just sort of saying we're done and we're not going to fund anything more maybe you can collect some money or maybe you go out and raise some new money from new investors that are, that are more um, um, risk, risk tolerant uh, perhaps. So, you know, all those things are theoretically available, but it, in a, in a, a situation where you have a building that is overvalued now and you're trying to refinance that, who's going to invest in that and who's going to lend on that. And um, you know, the only people that are going to lend on that is likely going to be somebody with a first mortgage, first lien mortgage. So they're first in line to get paid if they have to foreclose. And um, 
you know, why would anybody else do that? Now, if you go out and get a um, um, first mortgage for only 40% of the value, and now you bring somebody in for another 10 or 20% of equity or debt, um, all right, maybe that is something that people are willing to do, but they still have to believe in the product and and the sector. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, right now, the only part of the office sector that people are believing in is the very, very high class A uh, stuff or the, the stuff that's triple net lease to very high um, credit uh, companies with long-term leases. Yeah, that's going to cut down on a lot. Okay, so how do we protect our client, the tenant? What are the decisions the tenant needs to think about? I mean, what frustrates me is every time you want to, you know, take out a lease, one of the first things the landlords are always saying are, I want to see your financials. So do we get to turn the tables and say, oh, yeah, I want to see yours. Uh, and we actually have. Um, so <laughs> And how does that go? <laughs> and actually, this was an, um, a, um, an industrial client. So, you know, the industrial sector has been doing great. And mm-hmm. uh, from the landlord's perspective, and they're, I mean, talk about jamming it to the land, to the tenants. Um, I mean, rental rate increases. We just got a proposal for an extension of an existing tenant's lease in a crappy old building. <laughs> I mean, this building really is. Class C for crap. Well, I mean, it, it's diff- it's a difficult building for a number of reasons, but Nonetheless, we had been talking to the landlord over the last year, and we've been told to expect about a $10 rental rate. Now, this is coming up from a $5.95 rental rate that client's currently paying, which which was an industrial gross rent. So they were only paying the amount, their, their expenses over a base year, and now the landlord was converting it to a $10 triple net, and we just got their actual proposal. They jumped it all the way up to eleven ninety five, triple net. And I mean, but you this, got six months free rent and thirty dollars no. a square foot and tenant improvements. No, <laughs> two dollars in tenant improvements, no free rent. Um, yeah, I mean it. It was, it was really a, you know, kind of <laughs> you know flipping us off kind of proposal in my view. Yeah. And uh, and anyway, the point was that we had asked for. Um, landlord financials and, um, you know, what is your, when does your mortgage expire and what's your interest rate? And we, we asked for all their, their um, terms of their current mortgage. We asked, get for it? Land, we asked for landlord financials. We actually asked for this from four different buildings, one of which was their current landlord. Uh, we have not gotten it on any of them. And, uh, and one of the landlords would not give us a proposal until we gave them tenant financials. Okay. So so my question on that rental right proposal from the incumbent, what is their motivation? Do they really think they can get that? Are they trying to run off our client? I think they're thinking that they can really get that from a company that doesn't want to move. Hmm. Now, do I think that they think they can get that if the space goes vacant? No. Okay. I don't think so. so because we, just we show up with a couple of moving boxes and then they start trading back in. <laughs> well, I mean, we we looked at another building in the in the uh, very close uh, proximity, within say two or three miles, brand new building. 
975. So wow. now the caveat there is that the landlord in that building is going to give us a you know some number per square foot for improvements, 10, 12, 15 dollars a square foot, whatever it is. And we've got to build wait, out. Wait, wait, wait. Just to explain, you said it was a brand new building. Right. Why would you need improvements? Is it shell condition? Well, it's warehouse. So warehouses new always deliver in shell condition. Okay. And so you uh, then have to build out the office okay. and do like electrical distribution through the warehouse, things like that. Uh, maybe add a dock package for dock levelers, et cetera. Um, so there's still a lot of work to be done. And the TI allowance that the landlord gives is not going to be nearly enough for what is actually going to be required. So in that case, the 975 is not really 975 because you have to fund all that other excess TI um, if you're building out more office than what that amount of money will will pay for, which in our case, it we do need more office. So, you know, that's kind of the calculus that the landlord may be thinking as well as they recognize that the tenant has more square footage. I mean, who knows? I mean, there's Anyway, so it's it's um, it was a pretty shocking thing. So the the thing about asking for landlord financials, uh, we are doing uh, with um, you know so far I have not received those from any landlord we've asked it for, but um, but amazingly we have not asked for it from a um, office landlord yet. Uh, just hadn't had a situation where that was really necessary yet, but uh, but that is coming shortly. So we definitely want the landlord financials. So, you know, your question was, how do we protect the tenant? So ask for landlord financials, ask for the terms of their current mortgage, especially when does it expire and how long has it been around? Um, that'll give you some idea of what their interest rate is and how much it's going to jump. Um, Let me ask you a quick question there. You can get that information without getting it from the landlord. Am I correct? Um, if you have the right tools, yeah, you can okay. get, um, you can get like a, a deed of trust, assuming that it was, um, recorded and, you know, put in the public record, then you should be able to get, get some of that information. Um, you, you might be able to get the dollar amount. You might, you probably won't get the terms of it. The structure. Yeah. Um, the other thing is we always ask for is a non a subordination, non-disturbance and a tournament agreement, S and D A. And, you know, really that's just a um, preemptive agreement by the lender not to terminate the lease should they foreclose on the property. Does and that include bankruptcy? Of who? Of the landlord. Well, if the landlord takes bankruptcy, would that wipe out the lease in that case? Well, no, because bankruptcy has nothing to do with, um, usually f bankruptcy is, is by a landlord is intended to, to defer or delay foreclosure. So the only thing that wipes out the lease or has the potential to wipe out the lease is if a lender forecloses on their mortgage and says to the tenant, get out, we don't want you anymore. Uh, a, a bankruptcy by the landlord doesn't do that. Okay. Um, so, you know, we want to have that SNDA there to protect the tenant from the landlord having that right. Because I mean, in my previous example, if you're, if you're getting, uh, you know, $10 a square foot and tenant improvements, but you're having to spend 20 or 25, well, mm -hmm. you've got a big investment. Plus you have the time and every effort to move there. If you all of a sudden have to move after a foreclosure, now you've got to go find a place. You have the disruption to your operation. You know, there may not be anything available where you want it to be. And if it's a new building, you got that investment all over again. 
and the landlord, um, the landlord, the, the lender who is now the landlord in that case, doesn't have to reimburse you for anything. Mm. So it's so, it's a horrible situation for the tenant to be in. Yeah. Is there any way you can craft language in the lease that would protect the client from any of this? Yes. As getting an SNDA. Okay. Anything else though? Uh, well, no, because really? if the if the lender forecloses, they can terminate the lease. Period. Okay. So, no matter what language you have in the lease, that doesn't help you any if they have the right to terminate the lease. So, you have to have an SNDA, which is a separate document signed by the lender. Mm -hmm. The lease is not signed by the lender. Uh, the SNDA is signed by the lender. So. Whenever you put this in a lease, the land landlord is going to say, we will use our commercially uh, reasonable efforts to get an SNDA from the lender. Baloney. <laughs> it is a condition of doing the deal. You can't deliver that SNDA. You don't get the tenant. It's that simple. So, and, you know, lenders are pretty savvy and they understand why this is important to a tenant and they're willing to cooperate so long as it's a a reasonably large tenant. You're not going to get it for a, you know, a 20,000 foot industrial tenant and a million square foot project. But if you're, you know, trying to work with a 50,000 foot tenant and a hundred thousand foot building, all right, you're, you're getting the SNDA probably. Okay. So basically as you're looking for property and spaces for our clients, one of the things you're looking for is the health of the landlord. Because a lot of times, especially when you are germane to a location, DFW area, whatever, you hear a lot of scuttlebutt talked about at broker meetings, at you know educational events. Who's a good landlord? Who's paying? Who's not? Oh, I hear he's going belly up. I mean, you bring all this knowledge to the table when showing the client spaces and saying, might have a little difficulty on this one. This one over here, I happen to know this landlord's really strong. Yeah, I mean, having a um, an experienced real estate advisor definitely helps, and um, and they will know some of that stuff. You know, you can't know every landlord, you know, to that level of intimacy that you know exactly, you know, what the situation is, and in many cases we end up in a situation where a client is in a building with a stressed landlord and they want to renew their lease. So we don't really, in that case, have the ability necessarily to force all this stuff when the the tenant is saying, I ain't moving. But we advise them of the conditions and For they sure. know they're going to happen. So I think that's the main thing. If they're willing to live with it, I can live with it. But I want to make sure they know your property's going to crap in a handbasket. Well, it's not going to be maintained. You won't want clients coming into your space. And this this brings up another um, point where we can hopefully help protect the client, the tenant, and ourselves, by the way, is what we call offset rights. So in the lease, if we, you know, let's say the landlord has obligations to not only pay commission, but also to fund tenant improvements. Uh, or some other improvements in the building. Like, you know, we might say, um, all right, we we're willing to extend our lease, but you've got to go do X, Y, Z. You got to, mm -hmm. you know, replace the carpet in the common areas. You got to, you know, do some landscaping outside. So the plants actually are living uh, things like this. <laughs> so, you know, we can put all that stuff in a lease, but again, mm -hmm. if the landlord has no money, 
then what good does that do? So there's two things that you can do in that situation. One, you can ask for an escrow where you, the landlord must escrow the amount of money necessary to pay for those improvements and commissions uh, at the time the lease is signed. So that money then gets put with a title company or a law firm or a bank or somebody to hold those funds. And then that entity has the um, authority to release money um, on some certain, you know, time frame or when certain conditions exist. And, uh, and so, you know, it's taken out of the landlord's hands basically. And now we have the confidence that it, that they actually, that the money is there to do the things that, you know, the landlord's obligated to do. So escrowing the funds is one thing. The other thing is to have the offset rights that I mentioned a second ago. And the offset rights basically just say that if the landlord doesn't do something that they're obligated to do, then the tenant can divert the rent payments to pay for that. So again, if they don't, if the landlord doesn't pay for the tenant improvements, uh, they don't pay the commissions for the tenant's advisor, then the landlord um, has basically sort of defaulted or, you know, they have, they are in violation of some obligation. And so now the landlord, the tenant can say, well, instead of sending you the $50,000 rent this month, I'm going to send it to you know, the broker, the advisor that helped me, or I'm going to send it to the general contractor that's doing the work on the space or the architect, et cetera. Uh, so having offset rights is great. The problem with offset rights and even escrow of the funds is you got to have lender approval for those things in many cases. And, and well, in most cases anymore, the lender has to approve the lease period all terms of the lease. So if there are any terms on the lease they don't like, they're just going to say, yeah, we're not going to approve this lease and the landlord can't can't sign it. But um, in many cases, the landlord has a certain box that they live within. And that box may be, as long as you're doing deals of these terms uh, or better, you don't have to check with us as the lender. But as soon as you get outside that box, you know the tenant improvements are higher than the prescribed amount the rental rates lower than a you know the the agreed amount mm -hmm. whatever those are if it's bigger than a certain number of square feet now you have to get lender approval for those deals uh, and i'm sure that uh, offset rights and escrow funds would probably be issues that landlords would likely have to go um, get approval from their lender uh, to do and uh, and in fact the the loan documents, the loan covenants probably prohibit either of those things, certainly the offset rights, but possibly even the escrow. So again, what does that mean? It just means that you want our tenant, Mr. Landlord, you're going to have to go talk to Miss Lender and get her to agree with you so that we're getting this deal, you know, mm -hmm. with both parties in agreement. So how often does that happen when you ask for it? You know, it varies a lot. Uh, you know, again, it, it really, really, really depends on the relative size of the tenant to the overall project. The higher the tenant is and as a percentage, the more likely you're going to get it. Uh, you know, if, again, if you're looking for a small tenant, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 square feet, yeah. you're not likely to get this. But if you're... Um, a much larger tenant, especially, you know, relative to the size of the building, you're going to have a much better shot at getting this stuff. Um, so 
those are all important. And then, you know, the last thing I would say that um, a tenant can do is, and make sure that they're, they've got good advisors, uh, a good corporate real estate advisor who has no conflicts of interest, meaning they're not, you know, working for the same company that is a landlord um, or represents landlords. Um, and also that they, um, they have a good attorney who's a mm-hmm. you in the lease, a commercial real estate attorney who regularly represents tenants, not just somebody who occasionally does that, um, or is a a lender's attorney. I mean, a lender's yeah. attorney is different than a tenant's attorney. So those are well, things that they can do. It's important in today's uh, economic climate. It's a very important topic. This podcast was based off a blog you wrote on our LinkedIn channel under Riata Commercial Realty recently that goes into it a bit more in depth, but we can link that to the show as well. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's actually an article on LinkedIn. Article. Under okay. my name. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can find it there, but, um, yeah, I think I was, it was called something like six, six ways to leave your lover. Is that something different? <laughs> that was 50 ways. I confused. I think it was something about like six things tenants can do to protect okay. themselves. It'll be linked landlord distress or something like that. Okay. I spent, it's been a while back, but yeah. So anyway, you know, these are all things that we were asking for. I know our, uh, you know, the other people that are tenant reps around the country that we know they're asking for as well. And um, we just got to keep all, all doing it. Absolutely. Thanks again for joining us. We like bringing you this information. If there's anything you'd like us to discuss that we haven't, shoot us an email, slide into our DMs, text us. We're always here. Talk (laughs) to you next time. Slide into my DMs. Okay. (laughs) Bye, Lord. Bye. Uh Uh-oh. I got to put my glasses back on to find the stop recording (laughs) button. Thank you for listening. And just a reminder to send in questions to see if we can stump Bob. Not going to happen. We really appreciate your taking the time to tune into this episode. We would love it if you would give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And if you are on our YouTube channel, we would love to read your feedback in the comment section. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified when we publish new episodes. Thanks, and see you next time. Bye.